been in the league 10 years, lots of coaches, some good teams, bad teams. Uh, how hard does it get right now? And, you know, this team is obviously good. You play good first halves and then you fall apart second half kind of thing. I mean, where's the state of the team? I mean, I won, I think we competed hard in the first half. But, you know, obviously it's a two-half game, so and I, I think guys came in the locker room after, you know, after half, doing halftime, you know, almost kind of like, you know, happy to be, you know, down by one point, you know, instead of, you know, relishing an opportunity to go out there and, and beat these guys because we should have won this game. So, I mean, you can just feel it. I mean, guys was, you know, right around and, you know, excited, but, you know, it was almost kind of like, he just kind of, you know, excited just to be down by one point. So that seemed weird to you in the moment? Yeah, you know, I mean, even though guys was like, you know, you know, trying to hype yourself up, I think it was almost like, you know, just, you know, you glad to be here, glad to be down by one point instead of, you know, man, you know, that first half wasn't good enough. You know, we should we, we should have we should have been better. How do you like that? Those are the words of Demar Dotson in the locker room Sunday, shortly after the Bucks lost to the Ravens in Baltimore. That was me getting the audio, and it is disturbing. Go back and listen again if you want to. I don't even want to dwell on it. I wrote it up for the website, but to hear it is a lot different when you got a veteran player talking about guys coming in. At halftime, acting like they're winning or they've accomplished something and they're losing by one point, 10 to nine, as the Bucks were against the Ravens, only to go on and lose. It's disturbing. There's something wrong with the culture of this team. We've known it for a while. Culture is a weird word, but something's just off. And um, there's a little glimpse into it. We don't get all the glimpses. Obviously, we don't get much, but we do get a little bit. And, of course, we get to see what's going on right on the field. My name is Steve Isbitz of JoeBucksFan.com. This is the Monday Morning Joe podcast, the Thursday edition. And uh, I know some of you can't stand that I don't do the podcast. Of course, most of you don't care. But some of you can't stand that I don't do it uh, Monday morning, as the name is. It's just sort of the way it's got to go for me to be able to give you the best podcast I can, which hopefully is pretty good. But I, whenever we run it, Lots of people listen, thousands, we appreciate it, and uh, of course the podcast is presented by my good friends at Bill Curry Ford. General Manager Sean Sullivan is giving you a new giant TV with any purchase. Go check it out at BillCurryFord.com or the offers right there on JoeBucksFan.com. Bill Curry Ford, transparent pricing on their website, a Tampa tradition for 58, going on 59 years now. You want to check out and talk to general manager Sean Sullivan, huge Bucks fan. He's going to hook you up and uh, you can really take it to the bank on Bill Curry Ford and the quality and the service and the great changes that have been made there. Beautiful showroom just north of the stadium on Dale Mabry Highway and our friends at Discount Garage Doors, Discount Garage Doors, DGDoors.com. I'll tell you a little bit about them later. Now, there's so much to talk about today. So much to talk about. I sort of didn't hang in there too well with the weather in Baltimore because I was just kind of getting eaten alive by the, the cold and the rain. I waited for the, the light rail to the stadium, and that was like 35 minutes late. And then uh, there were all these people coughing on me in the, uh, uh, on the light rail, which was jammed with Ravens fans once we hit a certain stop. And then, of course, get out of the light rail going to the stadium we're actually at the stadium i get out there but it's so packed with fans 
and from the the uh, rail car that I couldn't open my umbrella. I felt like I was going to hurt somebody, and I really just didn't couldn't physically open it. So I I thought I was just going to use an umbrella. I wasn't dressed to be outside at the game as somebody who sits in the press box. So I got absolutely soaked. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, all of us here in the Tampa Bay area, we're not used to cold, windy, 50 degree, no, excuse me, 40 degree temperatures. And uh, the worst part, just a little thing. So I get to security and, you know, it's almost like an airport style security when you go in for the media and I had to take my phone out of my pocket, but it wasn't covered. She's like, put it in this little, uh, little plastic container. I'm like, but it's not covered. My phone's going to be ruined. I'll put that in there. It'll be there getting rained on for 35 seconds. And I had to convince the security woman to put it in her pocket. It was just a bizarre scene. But anyway, enough of that. Nobody cares about that. But I had to share. Anyway, the Bucks, as we all know, anybody paying attention, they've got to be hiring a coach in 10 days, right? Today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's three days till next game day. And then a week later, that's the end of the season. You got to be ready. I wrote in early November the Bucks had to start their search for a head coach at that point in the beginning of November, right after they went three and five. And I just hope Team Glazer is ready. And I guess the biggest thing, because people keep asking us, hitting me up on email or Twitter, who's the next coach? What are the Bucks going to do? A couple of things I can tell you. First, two sources and Rock Riley from. Um, Good friend of a JoeBucksFan.com. You've seen him on the website, but he hosts 1040 AM Sports Talk Florida.com every afternoon. If you don't want to listen to the nonsense of uh, Ron and Ian's show, which is not always uh, an all sports kind of thing, you can listen to Rock Riley, who's been on for quite a while now, running a great show. 1040 AM. You can hear it in Tampa and, of course, uh, throughout Pinellas County and, and beyond. But anyway, Rock who's been in the market forever, you know, he said on the air, and I talked to him about it off the air, that the Glazers are in hot pursuit of a team president kind of guy to hire the coach and determine the fate of general manager Jason Light. So that's sort of where the Glazers are. Now, that's what Rock was saying on the air. Now, I called him to talk to him on the side. What do you know? All that kind of stuff. You know, the stuff you expect media guys to uh, to do. And that spurred me into an all-out search to see if this is true, what's going on, who are they looking at, et cetera, et cetera. I tapped everybody locally and nationally that I knew would uh, have a clue. And I believe that's what's going on. I believe Team Glazer is searching to finalize with somebody who will call those shots. Now, does that mean the person is going to be Tom Coughlin or an ex-coach uh, or that kind of thing? No. Is it, does it mean it's going to be that type of guy? No. Might it have been somebody like Joe Banner, who worked for years for the Eagles in that capacity, hired Andy Reid, worked with owner Jeffrey Lurie, was team president there, moved over to the Browns where he didn't have some didn't have success, but he was an overseer type of guy without a football background, although making some football decisions in Philly. It could have been somebody like him, but I was told that he actually had more. I don't know if one was the Bucks, but he had a few offers and has told everybody he's, he's not interested, but a few offers to take over that kind of role. 
Was one of them the Bucks? Maybe. Maybe. Were the Bucks possibly pursuing Ozzie Newsome when they went to Baltimore? I saw Team Glazer both wearing suits. They were dressed very, uh, very formal for a game. You know, they go to all the road games. I thought maybe that might be a little sign of something. Maybe, maybe not. Might be nothing at all. But Ozzie Newsom is stepping down as a longtime, very successful GM of the Ravens. And he's going to be a consultant with the team. Ownership there has joked he's going to be a super high-paid consultant. But could he be lured away for a, maybe a two-year gig to oversee a, a team like the Bucks and then step away? Hire a general manager, all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. But I believe that that's what's going on with Team Glazer right now. And will they pull that off? We don't know. We'll never know until it actually happens. And don't think it's going to be Father Dungy. That's not going to happen. But if they don't do that, then they're going to need to hire their own coach like they've done before. And will they hire a general manager first? I don't know. Now, a lot of people have Ira Kaufman, of course. You read that he has called for uh, the firing of Jason Light. Am I going to go there, right? I called for Dirk Cutter's firing at three and five that they needed to move on and start the process to, uh, to move on. Jason Light, can I say that he's been a really good general manager? No. Has he made a lot of mistakes? Yes. Is it very, is it complex to grade a general manager when the general manager, unless they're a super powerful, all powerful GM, they have to work with the head coach. They have to balance working with the head coach, formulating a plan, picking guys, and satisfying the head coach and whatnot. Because if you bring a player into a head coach and the head coach doesn't want the guy and isn't going to play him, what good is the guy? So it's tough. And general managers don't coach. They don't block. They don't tackle. So it's It's tougher. Do I think Jason Light's done a good job? No, I'm not going to look somebody in the face and say he's been a good general manager. Has he been awful? I don't know if I can really go there. And I wrote on the website that I'd give him a C at best, but everybody views a C differently, right? There's the kid who goes to school and says, I got a C, man. I got, I got an 82 on my exam. I got a C, and I feel pretty good about that. I know most of the material. I can move on. I'm good. Well, other people look at a C as, as that's bad. Other people look at a C as, uh, that, as an endorsement. I don't know how you view a C. I can only say that, for me, J- Jason Light has been average, and that's not good enough. But when you th- if you sort of step back, you realize, okay, most NFL teams do not make the playoffs. So what does average mean? Right? And then you have to look a little bit deeper. So I'd be totally fine if the Bucks moved on from Jason Light. I would not say they made a mistake. If they decided to keep him and further evaluate him with a, a powerful head coach and maybe a football overlord evaluating Jason, I don't have a problem with that. I think he has some value, but maybe not as a, a, in the current role. I don't know. But he is signed for another year, and we'll see. You have to be able to replace the guy with someone better and again he doesn't coach so it's just it's just different to me so hey everybody's got a different opinion and that's what makes this so much fun again just to be clear the bucks fire jason light and hire a new general manager i'm not going to disagree with the move 
whatsoever. I'm much more concerned about the coach, and I think Team Glazer is as well. Maybe that's screwy. Maybe that's part of their problem, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, look at the coaches, though. Look at the coaches. 2012, the Bucks needed a head coach. What did they do? They very much listened to Father Dungy, who said, Chip Kelly, man, I've been flying out to Oregon and watching his program, and I've gotten to know it. My son's out there. This guy is an up-and-comer. This is, this is the way to go. Team Glazer, I'm sure, did their own due diligence, but they pursued Chip Kelly. He jilted him at the last second, and he didn't come back to the NFL until 2013 with the Eagles, where he was successful right away. But the Bucks weren't prepared on the surface to not to uh, be without Chip Kelly. And they hired Greg Schiano. They hired him late in the process. He couldn't hire the best assistants. Mike Sullivan as offensive coordinator, Bill Sheridan as uh, linebacker as defensive coordinator. And that's what they did in 2012. Now the 2012 class, you had Jeff Fisher, you had Romeo Cornell. These were the guys who got jobs. Joe Philbin, Chuck Pagano, Greg Schiano, Dennis Allen, Mike Malarkey with the Jaguars. That's a crappy coaching class. Pretty darn crappy right there. Now, Pagano had success, and I like Pagano, and I like what he did in Indy. And I thought after Andrew Luck went down, you know, I, I thought he, uh, he hung in there pretty darn well, getting wins out of teams and having his, his team play hard without a quarterback. Guys like Curtis Painter and even Josh Freeman, etc. But not a very good coaching class. So I wanted to point that out because you know you can you can bash the Glazers all day long for picking coaches, but sometimes you know you look at all these other decisions that were made in 2012. Those were that's not a great crop of coaches. Now here was the Glazers two years later in 2014, and that's where they really screwed up. They pegged Lovey Smith. They figured that out well in advance. Lovey, Lovey, Lovey. Even though Lovey's Bears team was seven and one and disintegrated to go ten and six in his final season, and that's why he got fired. A lot of people forget that. That team completely imploded, and there were a lot of reasons for that. Don't need to rehash that. But they hire Lovey in twenty fourteen. They pass on Mike Zimmer. They pass on Bill O'Brien, Jim Caldwell, Jay Gruden. All those guys took their teams to the playoffs. Three of those guys are still doing a really good job coaching. Jim Caldwell's team, I believe they, the Lions went 11-5 and five in his first year. And the Glazers picked Lovey. They screwed up. And then in 2016, I can't say that I was, I was not a big fan of the Lovey hire, but I can't say that I was against Dirk Cutter, but I'm not the guy picking. I'm not the guy in charge. What I think doesn't really matter. What matters is, do the guys picking know what they're doing? And that coaching class, Doug Peterson, Adam Gaze, Mike Malarkey again with Tennessee, Ben McAdoo, Chip Kelly again, and Hugh Jackson. The Glazers obviously uh, got that wrong with Dirk Cutter. It's harsh to say, but they did, and that's how history will view it, and that's just the reality. Dirk really has been so bad. He's sort of transformed into this lousy coach after a strong start and just never made adjustments from his own coaching staff to 
on field to his attitude toward the defense to this team now on a three and nine run after a two and zero start. And, and there've been spurts, you know, that they have enough talent to compete better. And that's, that's coaching on a broad level. If you want to paint a broad brush, it's coaching. Dirk's not going to get another head coaching offer anywhere else. I would guarantee that. And that should tell you something. Not every jettison coach does, but some do. Dirk's not going to be one of those guys, but who's next? You're going to hear me and Lee D. Kemper, Joe Bucks fan, the Joes, we're the Joes on the on the website talking about Ron Rivera if he becomes available. We think he would be an excellent choice. The Bucks could do a lot worse. the The Bucks would be a physical team. Rivera's teams are always physical, which would be such a breath of fresh air. He's calling the defense now. He admitted the other day it took him a few few games to get back in the swing of it, but he called that defense the other night against the the um saints they lost but he clamped down there and and he's got a you know great feel for the defense and i think our personnel might be well i won't even go on the personnel route but rivera has three division titles he's weathered some storms weathered pressure that where people thought he was going to get fired i think he's matured as a head coach and uh, when your team's physical it means typically the players really command a lot of respect and you're running the program right. Whether you win or not, it's a different story. But, you know, he's had an up-and-down quarterback, quarterback with injuries. He's shown an ability and a desire to be flexible in what he's doing. No, he's not the greatest head coach in the history of the world, but he would be a good choice. It doesn't mean the Bucks can't do better, but Ron Rivera, I'm a fan. And I think Team Glazer would really like him as well, aside from – his personality and the way he conducts himself out in public and with the media. I think team Glazer would love to have a uh, Latino head coach in Tampa. I mean, uh, just for marketing purposes would help a little bit. Rivera has a military background and uh, not himself, but he grew up in a military family and he's been supportive of the military and that plays well in Tampa and with team Glazer's efforts at McDill, and I just think uh, they might be a really nice fit. And I don't think he's too old or anything like that. He's also shown an ability to develop assistance, and um, you know, and, and that's a positive thing as well. I'm not sure who's coming out of the Dirk Cutter coaching tree. I don't know if Todd Munkin fits, but I I, I like Rivera, uh, a dark horse name that I'll throw out there, which I think I mentioned on another podcast. Doesn't really matter. Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak, the Hall of Fame offensive lineman, he spent three years with the Titans. And he had kind of an ancient um, Matt Hasselbeck in his first year. He went nine and seven and then uh, was stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jake Locker. And the team floundered six and ten, seven and nine. And Munchak moved on back to offensive line coaching with the Steelers, where he's considered by everybody to be the best offensive line coach in the NFL. Now you don't hire an offensive line coach and say, man, we want a great O line and we'll let this guy be head coach too. But the more you dig into Munchak, the more you see what great respect he commands around the league. I've talked to some people when I was chatting about uh, where team Glazer might be pursuing Munchak's name didn't come up, but I did ask about him. And 
just you know, Google him, read what they say about him in Pittsburgh, how beloved he is. And he did interview last year for head coaching jobs. I'd imagine he's still interested. But, you know, ex-players does, doesn't mean you're a good head coach. But this guy is a tough guy. And he's kind of boring as far as the media, as far as a personality. Mike Munchak is not a personality most people have any clue about. But with his team, physical team, and you're going to build an O-line, and if you have a talented quarterback and an O-line that, that isn't the one like ours is now, it, it might be an intriguing, intriguing option for Team Glazer. I don't know more, much more about Munchak, anything uh, incredible that I can reveal to you, but when you have to compile a list of uh, B names, he might be your second choice. He might be your third choice. I don't know, but a lot of times those are the guys you hire. Look how the Glazers hired Team Glazer. Excuse me, Glazers hired uh, Father Dungy years ago. He wasn't uh, their first choice by any stretch. So I don't know where the Bucks are going to go. I met wrote on the website today about uh, Jim Caldwell, another guy who might be your second or third choice. And where the top choice is, I don't know. I mean, the, if you watched it on the website, the uh, neat video of the explanation of how one NFL team is going to be pursuing Jim Harbaugh, hot and heavy, that would be very exciting, obviously. I don't know what the shelf life would be or how he would like it around here or what, but it would be a lot of fun to have uh, Jim Harbaugh here, and it might be Jameis Winston's uh, best shot out there as far as turning his game around and opening his eyes to, to just better play and better quarterback coaching. We're going to find out in a hurry. We're going to have a new coach here. I have no doubt about it. And it's going to be one hell of a decision by Team Glazer in a division that's probably going to bounce back. And you know what? Wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be interesting? It would just be such the Bucks soap opera to have Dirk Cutter go back and reunite with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, where I know they have an excellent relationship. I've seen Cutter and Matt Ryan last year. And his Cutter's wife and Ryan all chatting and loving each other after the game. And, of course, Matt Ryan looked in great shape because nobody hit him on the Bucks. Uh, it was one of those no-pass-rush games for the Bucks last year. But I think uh, it's a possibility. If Dirk wants to do it, and they're talking about changing coordinators up there, and if uh, Arthur Blank's willing to pay Dirk the, the year that he would you know, pay him what he would have been earned with the Bucks. And we never really found out what Dirk was earning, but I'm sure it wasn't much in the in in the realm of head coaches. That would be something if he ended up coaching up there against the Bucks, and and um, who knows? Who knows? Anyway, these are fun times for Bucks fans. Exciting times as far as the Pro Bowl. You know, there's one thing that I'll say about the Pro Bowl voting: the Bucks and Bucks fans don't seem to give a crap. What other teams do to promote Pro Bowl voting, the Bucks don't do a lot of those things. And Bucks fans, have they ever galvanized around one player? Have you ever seen some sort of big Twitter effort to get one guy, really big effort to get one guy in the Pro Bowl? No, fans don't really vote. I didn't see the Bucks players themselves rallying together to get a guy voted in. And that happens with other teams. It really, really does. Quan Alexander, I wrote this a while ago, Quan Alexander was out there pimping Bradley McDougal for the Seahawks 
to get to the Pro Bowl. I didn't see Quan uh, saying, hey, vote for my brother, uh, Mike Evans. He deserves it. I didn't see Gerald McCoy saying, vote for Mike Evans or you know Jameis or anything like that. So the, the Bucks are very lukewarm, very unexcited about um, the Pro Bowl themselves. And with it being down the road, you would think that the Glazers would love to have some of their players showcased in Orlando where they sell tickets. They used to have a ticket office. I think they still have bus service in from Orlando. And that's the, considered their secondary market. I know Joe Buck's fan has uh, a lot of readers from Orlando. You know, based on we get the data of where people are based when they're reading. Got a lot, a lot of readers in Orlando. So I don't know. It's um, a little bit disturbing that the team just has this malaise about it when it comes to rallying fans to stuff. And I guess that all comes with losing. You know, they've been much better in Carolina with some of their fan efforts and I think it was two years ago, there were like eight Panthers in the Pro Bowl, most of it voted in by fans, or they, they had a tremendous uh, fan votes. Pro Bowl doesn't matter, but I still, I like it. I watch it every year, watch it twice. It's sort of the end of uh, the end of the year for anything Bucks, and that's, that's just me. Discount Garage Doors, dgdoors.com. That's who you need to call when you need a new garage door or your garage door won't go up or it's making a weird noise, or you want more hurricane safety for your home, discount garage doors, tremendous line of quality new doors, and they will come and give you a free diagnosis at your home. Free service call, no charge. If you have um, your doors making a weird noise, get them out there tomorrow. Get them out there on Saturday, and they will uh, not charge you a thing and come and check it out, tell you what it needs to be fixed right away. Or if you need a new door or a new motor, whatever, they will lay out the pricing for you, their website, dgdoors.com, their phone number, 866-420-DOOR. Use your Joe Bucks fan discount code and uh, trust them. They have been 20 years in the Tampa Bay area, a local company, not a big national outfit, but they're a big local company serving 20 counties and making a lot of Joe Bucks fan readers happy. So discount garage doors, check them out. So we got a football game on Sunday in Dallas. I think it's a bad matchup for the Bucks. Dallas is very physical. And you know what? This late in the season before Christmas on the road, that's a tough time to play a physical team. Now, the Bucks have played hard for Dirk Cutter before in previous seasons, but this is, feels different, and I wouldn't be shocked if they just rolled over. But forgetting about the game itself, what about tanking? What about the draft? How important is a draft pick and should a team tank and how do you feel about that now I, I realize the hardest of the hardcore bucks fans are the ones really listening to the podcasts they're the ones who are dialed in and that's that's fine there's thousands of you out there and you get it we get it we love it and it's awesome but i wonder about the not so hardcore fan who sees a team tank not play its best players and how that affects them I don't know. I don't like it, though. I don't like tanking, but I think you still have to be smart. At the same time, you have to find a, a fine line. The crazy thing about the Bucks tanking last time, as they did in the final game of 2014 to get Jameis, they knew Lovey was coming back. They were keeping their head coach. They were tanking sort of sort of cementing a, a losing way to get a quarterback 
while still trying to build a winning environment at the same time. That's tricky. <laughs> that that's that's a little bit tricky. It really is. At this time though, it's different because we know Dirk Cutter is going to be out of here. And if you lose a game for the sake of the organization, you're blowing the whole thing up anyway and starting over. And it seems to make more sense on a surface level. Now, this game, I think, is important for Jameis Winston to build for next year, build some confidence, and to really still see what he's got. He's still being evaluated. There's plenty of film on him. You sort of know what Jameis is. I don't think a new coach would come in and say, oh, man, I wish Jameis had two more games to get a look at him. But I think it's too early to shut down Jameis, and I think it would be still valuable for him to break this 11-game losing streak on the road. 11. You can spin that however you want, twist it, look inside the game at the numbers, the defense, everything. 11 in a row is still 11 in a row. It's too many. And it's not good. It's just not, it, it, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's just really bad. But I think it'd be good for him to get his game, get that win, get that off his back. It's got to be in his mind. He's too much of a competitor. You know, the times that we've gotten a chance to talk to him on the side uh, for Ira Kaufman's podcast before and after that, if you remember listening to Jameis on there and other times, he's too much of a competitor to lose 11 in a row on the road and not let it get in his head. That's just my opinion, but it would be good for him to win this game, especially. But as far as the team tanking, I think you've got to sit Jameis in week 17. You've got to get him out of that game. There is no value in playing him. If he gets hurt, you're screwing with a lot of, a lot of stuff. First of all, there's the guaranteed potential contract. If he had a, a serious injury, a six, even if he had a six-month injury, you're guaranteeing that you have to pay him the final year. And it might affect, most important, how you are able to recruit a head coach. Right? If you get Jameis hurt and then the next day, what do you tell your potential head coach? Well, I don't know what we're going to do. We've got the uh, seventh overall pick and no quarterback right now. Jameis is up in the air and we might be saddled with that situation. We want to stick with him, but we don't know if he's healthy. He's going to have surgery. Hopefully he'll be okay in June. I mean, it's messy as hell. And for one final game, that could really mean a lot for the draft with Atlanta. I would sit Jameis. I'd put Ryan Griffin out there and let the guys get after it. Whoever you're playing, let them let it all hang out. And you try to win, of course, but I, I would sit down Jameis. I really hope the Glazers see the logic in that because I, I just think it's important. And it would be nice to lose that game if it helps the draft status. And one thing that's going on in Atlanta, I think very subtly they've been setting up to sit Matt Ryan in the final game. He's taken 40 sacks this year, 40. That's as many as he took last year. Two years ago, he took 37 in the entire season. Now, I know Matt Ryan's a big-time Ironman guy and probably wouldn't want to sit, but I thought the Falcons talking about the number of hits and how they're concerned about it when they started doing talking about that, I thought they were sort of setting up for that opportunity to sit Ryan and not have anybody looking at him funny like they were tanking. And we already know that Matt and that Cam Newton has been shelled for the season, which means the Panthers are probably 
guaranteed to finish six and eight. Now I haven't looked at all the, the tiebreakers, but if the Panthers, excuse me, finish six and ten, they're six and eight now. If the Panthers finish six and ten, and the Bucks somehow finish six and ten because they beat Atlanta on the last day, the Bucks might be behind the Panthers and the Falcons in the draft. They might they might come in second place and be behind both of those teams in the draft. I can't see how that does anybody any good. So if I'm the Bucks, I definitely do what I got to do to lose that last game of the season. And you don't try to lose, but pull Jameis, put him down, let the fans, the hardcore fans would really enjoy. I think watching Ryan Griffin and Alex Kappa and Justin Watson and whoever else they throw out there, I'm not saying sit everybody, but let Ryan Griffin play might be fun. You might, I don't know. I, I just, I don't want to see it. I want to see the, I want to see the best for the bucks like all of you do. And the best value for your bucks is a Bill Curry Ford. You've seen the ads at JoeBucksFan.com. They're getting you ready for the Super Bowl with a 65 inch TV with the purchase of a vehicle. Visit BillCurryFord.com. This is specific to Bill Curry Ford. General Manager Sean Sullivan is hooking up Bucks fans, sports fans, 65-inch TV with the purchase of any vehicle, and the prices are fantastic. Check them out, BillCurryFord.com. All right, Bucks fans, we appreciate at JoeBucksFan.com a few things. One, all of your support, our traffic, and our, our business, if you will, which is traffic, although there's a lot the things we could do for more traffic if we wanted to, but we do have some standards has been great. Yeah, you know, we're doing great. Uh, the death of other media and the irrelevance of other media, the growing irrelevance, uh, it all sort of helps uh, Joe Buck's fan uh, claw its way to new heights, which is really cool. So uh, you've been watching the videos with Derek Brooks and Ira Kaufman on the identity Tampa Bay and this one's really good. There's some really good ones coming up. Brooks slowly opens up more. And uh, his chat about culture in this last video is really good. There's another one coming either this afternoon or tomorrow. And, of course, next week you'll have videos uh, as well. Tampa 2 from the Identity Tampa Bay. If you haven't subscribed to their newsletter, check it out. They really do a good job. A lot of video and very simple format of letting you know really cool stuff that's going on around Tampa Bay and with some neat features and whatnot. So we're excited to uh, be partnered with them. They're part of the greater uh, Tampa Bay, I'm going to butcher the name, Sports and Entertainment Group. It's Jeff Finnick's outfit that owns the Lightning and other properties. So pretty cool stuff there. We like uh, hanging out with those guys for sure. The Identity Tampa Bay. Our podcasts, don't forget them all. Subscribe to them all for free alerts. I know many of you use different platforms, whatever it is, go for it. Subscribe. You've got also presented by Bill Curry Ford, Bobby Fenton with the free stretch. A lot of fun. Bobby goes year round. He's been doing it a year and a half now. Fantastic. Todd Wright's fantasy football podcasts. There's three of them. The off season, we're going to have one and there's something coming called the Todd cast. Todd Wright, the Todd cast. You're going to get Todd more of uh, more of what he used to do, which is talking Sports of all kinds in the off season, so that's going to be fun. And of course, uh, Lightning fans, we got you covered with the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast, and that's every Friday, sometimes on Thursday, 
on JoeBucksFan.com. You could subscribe to that on all the platforms. Joe Bolts Fan with Tom Lang. He's going all the way through the playoffs. Of course, Bucks Uncensored and the Commish. He's an icon. Ira Kaufman podcast. Uh, I know you guys uh, love that. We appreciate that. And then there's me uh, right here doing the Monday Morning Jill. Uh, coming up in certain and actually starting next week, I'm going to start taking some questions, which I think might be fun and can go anywhere you want to go with them. I'll hit at least uh, five questions a podcast. I'll tweet that out and and uh, whatnot. I wanted to give a little bit of a take on this because it got so much play. And uh, Lee at Joe Bucks fan wrote about this Peter King chatter of the Bucks not being a desirable job. You know, it, it's just really stupid talk. And I understand why it may not be the greatest opening ever, but this is not a bad job, especially especially when you consider where the NFC South is right now. When you really think about that and where it might be in three years, because the coach is thinking, well, if I, all right, I'm going to build my program and I'm going to get off to a good start. And what does this look like in three years? Well, Drew, Bru- Drew Brees is probably gone in three seasons. Matt Ryan, who knows? Cam Newton's shoulders falling apart. This becomes a, a decent, uh, a good job. And there's a lot of benefits to working at one buck, good facilities, ownership stays out of the way, and you don't have the high-pressure cooker media market. I wish you did. In some ways, we'd have more fun with that if it was that style. But don't believe any of that stuff that it's not an ideal destination. I appreciate you making this your destination, and uh, we will be. I will be back uh, Monday for sure. This time, it's it's a definite. Uh, with a Christmas Eve podcast. So I'll wish you all uh, great for the holidays at that time. And uh, thanks a lot, guys.